Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. Our Sunday worship is on site and online at 9.30 a.m. And you can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Caressa continues our series, Renew Hope, with a sermon titled, Renewing Our Commitment to Putting People First. Scripture comes from Luke 10, 25-37, and is read by Nancy Fonts, and then Galatians 3, 26-29, which is read by Ann Lucia. The first scripture is from Luke chapter 10, verses 25-37, through 37, and it's the parable of a good Samaritan. And don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to act it out. <laughs> Let us hear the word of the Lord. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied, how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. We have our second reading this morning from Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, for a while, I served as a chaplain in a children's hospital in a downtown metropolitan area. 
And I was assigned to the cardiac unit and to the ICU floors. So as you can imagine, most of the calls that I responded to were serious tragic injuries or serious conditions of children, and most of them were under the age of 12. This was not an easy role to fill. This was not an easy part of my training as a minister, yet each and every day I relied on my colleagues, and we would spend time in prayer before we would go out and make our rounds because it was difficult to respond to these children and these families in need. So with a cross around my neck and a Bible in my hand, I would go out each morning to make my rounds to children who had just been admitted to the hospital. And as you can imagine, the child was frantic, and as well as the parents were pretty disturbed because you don't go to a children's hospital unless it's pretty serious. I would also go around and circle back to children that I had already visited just to make that connection, to let the parents and the siblings and the child know that I was here to be present and to pray with them. And while I was welcomed by most, there were people who did not want me to enter their room and would rather I pass on by. Now, as a chaplain, some people saw me as the angel of death, not because I was dressed in black, but as a chaplain, one of the only times that you are called into a room is when it is the worst. You see, when a doctor has to deliver grim news, the chaplain is always there to be with the family and to console them. So for a chaplain to walk into the room of a, a, ch a child's room in a hospital with serious condition can really throw up flags for the family. On the other hand, others desist me as an imposter because I was a female. And as you know, in certain traditions, females are not permitted, they're not allowed, they're not authorized, they're not recognized as a minister or as a chaplain. But for the most part, I did not let that bother me because I knew there were children and families out there who needed my presence, who needed a listening ear, who needed someone just to be there for them. Well, it was on a Saturday, and I was on call which meant I was the only chaplain in the whole hospital. I was making my rounds when I got paged to the oncology unit for a code blue. If you know what code blue means, it is not good. So I was on about the sixth floor. I raced up and took the stairs two flights to the eighth floor, which is the oncology unit, because I knew I didn't have time to wait for the elevator. And so when I got up there, of course, you can imagine the whole hall was full of nurses and staff running in and out. There was lots of commotion. There were beeps and alarms. There were carts full of stuff being pushed in and pushed out. It was crazy. And so I found a nurse and I asked for the status and it was not looking good. As I get closer, I saw a nurse escorting the mother and the father out into the hallway and a few of the family members quickly surrounded them and as soon as the mother got out into the hallway she fell to her knees she lifted up her hands and she started to pray out loud so I took a step closer and I could see the profile of her face framed by the hijab and tears were streaming down her face for fear that her son, her 12-year-old son, was going to die. 
And as the chaplain, I knew what my role was, but as I started to take a step forward, I froze. And all of a sudden, I wasn't sure what to say. I wasn't sure what to do. I I didn't know how I would be received in this moment. There I was, a female Christian minister, and there she was, a Muslim mother desperate for her child. And then I heard her cry out, Allah, Allah, save him. And as I took a step closer, she saw me out of the corner of her eye, and she turned and her eyes met. And she looked down at my cross, She looked down at my Bible in my hands, and then she did something I will never forget. She reached out her hand to me, and she said, pray with me. We pray to the same God. And so I, in that moment, knelt down, and I lifted up my hands right alongside ours, and I said, dear God, as she said, Allah, And together, we were there in that hospital hallway amidst all of the commotion, kneeling down right beside each other, arms stretched out to the ceiling, lifting up, praying for Allah God to save her son. The next day, as I was making my rounds, I made it a point to go down the hall where his room had been. And as I crossed the threshold of the door, I saw him, the boy, sitting up in his bed. And his mother and his father were standing right beside him. And my eyes met the mother's eyes, and she motioned for me to come in. Friends, too often, we allow our differences to separate us. Too often, we let our human-created categories divide us. Too often, we make assumptions or jump to conclusions about who people are or what they think because we have put some kind of label upon them. Too often we allow our beliefs and doctrines, our dogma, our traditions, our culture, our societal influences to mandate how we view or interact with other people. That day, that mother showed me what it looks like, what it feels like, what it means to love your neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Is the question that the lawyer asked Jesus in our scripture passage today. He wasn't a lawyer in our sense of the word. He was more of a biblical scholar who knew the Jewish codes and law backwards and forwards. And what began as a test of wits quickly, thanks to Jesus, emerged into a lesson on who is my neighbor. The scholar begins and asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit life, eternal life? Do you like that? What must I do? 
Not what do I get to do, what not should I do, what must I do to get eternal life. And Jesus, as he often did, answers a question with a question. Have you noticed that about Jesus? Maybe that's a skill I need to learn, right? Answer a question with a question. I'm sure my kids are familiar with that. Mom, can I do this? Have you done your laundry? The scholar recites, and so Jesus answers the question with a question, question, what is written in the law? Now, that's an easy answer for a scholar. He, he quotes, he knows this law, he knows the Jewish code, so he quotes Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, well, well done. You have answered correctly. Now go and do this, and you will live. But the scholar wants to take it a step further. And I've always found this question very interesting. And who is my neighbor? I suspect what the scholar was really asking is, who counts as my neighbor? Who am I supposed to love? Who do I have to love? to get in to heaven. You see, his question implies selectivity, that some people are his neighbors and his equals, and some are not. And I think it's this selectivity in the scholar's question and the hidden kind of dividing line that prompts Jesus to tell the story of the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I think Jesus intentionally picks a Samaritan because of all the people for a Jew that could be considered a non-neighbor, a Samaritan would be the one. A Samaritan would be seen as a non-neighbor in the eyes of this scholar. You see, Jews and Samaritans hated each other. In fact, hundreds and hundreds of years of hating each other. Both thought they were the the true heir to Moses and Abraham, the true possessors of the land. And friends, this conflict is still going on today. Tensions ran deep, in fact, so deep that a Jew would go two days out of his way so he wouldn't have to actually travel through Samaria. There were dividing lines, religious, political, social, cultural, racial, passed down from generation to generation. And the audience listening to the story would have anticipated that the hero of the story, of course, would be a Jew because Jesus was a Jew. Jews were listening. It was about a Jewish scholar. Of course, maybe not a priest or a Levi, but maybe just a common, simple Jewish man. But Jesus shocks them by having a Samaritan show mercy to the Jewish man in the ditch. And the audience listening to this story surely would have expected the priest and the Levite to stop and help, right? We saw that in the discovery time. Of course a priest would stop and help. Of course a Levite who was a temple assistant would stop. I mean, both of these prominent religious leaders, of course they would have a heart for compassion and stop. But both of them passed by on the other side. Now, there's lots of speculation of why. Was it their fear of becoming unclean or unpure so they couldn't perform their duties? Did they think the man was a trap and robbers would jump out and attack them? 
Or maybe they thought the man was already dead, so why bother? Let me just keep going. No matter the reason, and we're not told in the scriptures, the point is that they chose to pass by on the other side. Too often today, I see people passing by on the other side. A Republican sees a Democrat at a rally, and trust me, passes by on the other side. A liberal encounters a conservative and instead of conversing, passes by on the other side. A straight man walks into a convenience store and instead of standing behind a gay couple, he passes by to the other line. A white woman walking down the street sees a black man coming her way so she crosses the street so she can pass by on the other side. An evangelical realizes that this church is open and affirming, and so they pass on by to go to another church. Many people today just pass on by to the other side. For the Jewish scholar, a neighbor would be a person just like him, another Jew. But for Jesus... A neighbor was anybody, anybody out there, anybody and everyone, especially somebody in need, no matter their creed or color, their age or gender, their religion or region. You see, the whole ministry of Jesus was putting people first. Think about that. The whole ministry of Jesus was putting people first over the traditions, over the categories, over the doctrines of his day. It did not matter where you were from. It did not matter what you had done. It did not matter where you, what you believed. People came first for Jesus. Friends, this story is as relevant today as it was when Jesus told it. There are groups of people out there, whether it be religious, political, social, economic, cultural, that focus their energy on who is in and who is out. They judge and discriminate against people because they don't believe like they do. They don't vote like they do. They don't live where they do. And they will go to great lengths to pass on by the other side. There are even Christians and churches out there who choose to elevate their beliefs and their stringent practices over in the inclusion and needs of others, but not here. Friends, that is not who we are here. That does not happen here. For here at New Hope, we are committed to putting people first. You and I could be on different political spectrums. We can disagree about whether baptism is sprinkle, pour, or dunk. One of us can love contemporary praise music and the other one love hymns and organ. I know that's never been a contention here. But when it comes to community, when it comes to worship, when it comes to being a neighbor, we are all one in Christ. We celebrate diversity here, and we believe that it makes us better together. 
We are committed to caring and serving all people with compassion and empathy, whether they are inside these walls or outside in our community. And as it says in Galatians 3, friends, there is no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And reflecting on this story from Luke 10 this morning, There is no Jew or Samaritan. There is no Christian or Muslim. There is no black or white or gay or straight, for we are all neighbors in the household of God. Therefore, we will put people first. Friends, when we see the words on these banners that hang here each and every Sunday, this is more than just a beautiful decoration or words to read. These are words to embody. How we treat people, especially people who are different from us, is our litmus test for our devotion to God. So friends, today, today we recommit to putting people first. We renew that commitment to put people first. For when there is opportunity to be a neighbor to someone, we will not just pass on the other side. May we never just pass by on the other side, but may we drop down to our knees and care for the other one, lifting our arms in prayer, asking God to show us how to be those hands and feet of Christ in that moment. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you want to know more about New Hope, you can subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, The Midweek Memo, by going to our website and signing up. Friends, may you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and may you go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go in peace.